I think Nick was going to do the intro music from Sound of Music. Nick, you're going to do that? No, a deer, a female deer. Steve, a drop of golden sun. Okay, enough of that, Nick. And welcome to the UVM podcast, the place where we discuss all things related to utility vegetation management and the ways in which we can collectively mitigate or eliminate tree and power line conflicts. Nick, how are you doing today and what's new in the Great White North? Hey, Steve, I'm doing great, thanks. Uh, Up in Whistler at the moment, which is uh, truly great and white. And of course, a little bit wet as well. So Steve, who do we have as a guest today and what are we going to be talking about? Well, Nick, today we are joined by Professor Richard Howard uh, from one of our favorite UVM-related academic institutions, the University of Wisconsin at Stevens Point. Now, the reason I say it's one of our favorites is because they have academic programs directly related to UVM and are also involved with some UVM-specific research. I'm particularly looking forward to talking with Richard about a recent report he published about utility vegetation management in North America. The report was based on a 2019 utility forestry census of tree activities and operations. Well, I uh, certainly recall that report, Steve. It was uh, fascinating and it had some uh, interesting insights within it. Yeah, I enjoyed reading it and and often use it in uh, sort of as a source of uh, stats in my consulting work. Also, if I remember rightly, is it the, uh, did you used to do benchmarking like this as well, Steve? Any connection there? Well, there's a possible connection, Nick, as we've talked about a while back. Bob Novembri and I did the first and probably largest ongoing UVM industry benchmarking starting back in 2000. We did that for quite a while, probably once every year or so. Uh, and actually with the brilliant help of Will Porter and Nina Cohen, uh, ML company, CNUC. In this case, uh, CNUC may have been the funding source for Richard's work, but why ask me? We have the author with us today as a guest. Well, that sounds like a reasonable segue for introducing our guest today. Richard, uh, on behalf of Steve and I, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast today. My pleasure to be here, Nick and Steve. Uh, first of all, I really appreciate you asking me to share my insights about utility vegetation management and look forward to sharing more insights about this work that we did. Before we start, Richard, asking about your research, uh, can you give our audience a bit of background on yourself? You know, how did you get involved in the utility vegetation management space uh, and what do you do at Stevens Point? Sure, Nick. You know, you asked me the question about why uh, UVM was an area that we got into. And in brief, uh, this was a logical area to help our students, frankly, to gain greater expertise in maintaining tree populations and managing vegetation in right-of-ways. Our our arboriculture and urban forestry program has been really well established since the early 1970s, uh, primarily in commercial and municipal sectors. And thus, it was just a logical area for us to expand upon. And really, it's about students and jobs, for, for example. As for me, I'm a professor of urban community forestry, and I teach courses in urban forestry, tree production, woody plants, dendrology, and our intro to forestry class. That's my full-time job. The rest of my life is just about research and, and really uh, presenting information. So happy to be a part of this podcast. Hi, Richard. It's great to chat with you again, and I'm looking forward to discussing your study today. And hopefully we can also talk about the Stevens Point uh, Utility Vegetation Management Certificate Program. But let's start with your UVM study. Can you walk us through how you did it and also how many utilities were involved? Oh, sure. Certainly, Steve. Well, first of all, it's my pleasure to speak with you again. I've had some really fun phone conversations with you and, and also the work that you described earlier, going back to around the year 2000. 
well, UVM, in my opinion, is really amazing. And it set really the benchmarking for developing a mechanism to understand UVM in a logical way to develop baseline and, and really a longitudinal sense of UVM that we've really carried on. In regard to the longitudinal work, our current uh, work really carries on the studies that uh, were conducted by CNUC over the past several decades. As for me, well, frankly, I really enjoy understanding how arboriculture and urban forestry work and really how it's changed over time. I was able to develop the current baseline for municipal forestry. Thus, working through the UVM research was an interesting expansion. Thus, when Randy Miller from CNUC talked about making this happen, I needed a little convincing. With the current study, we had 71 wonderful utilities who provided their story that really forms a good basis for the baseline. And uh, did the utilities just include the um, investor-owned utilities, Richard, or did you also include uh, municipalities, co-ops, and uh, power marketing authorities? Yes, Nick, we included the three ownership structures you just mentioned, investor-owned utilities, municipal, and cooperatives. We further included state and provincial and federally owned utilities, which is a common ownership structure in Canada. Our study was uh, North American-based, so we included all these structures. Gotcha, yeah. I mean, we do have uh, plenty of uh, crown corporations uh, up here. Hey, Richard, what were the main types or categories of information you were looking at during your studies? Hey, frankly, Steve, uh, we followed the structure of the seminal textbook from Randy Miller and Jeff Kempter, two utility, uh, you know, seminal professionals. For example, understanding safety, program management, pruning, IVM, electrical operations, storm response, and communications were included. And uh, yeah, Richard, in, in the um, UVM space, obviously one of the main uh, focuses is, is preventing uh, power outages and ensuring system reliability. And the, the stats around that typically point to vegetation as one, if not you know, the top cause of power outages. You know, what did your research they find out about tree and power line related outages? Is, you know, how bad is this of a problem and what are utilities doing in more recent times to address it? Well, first, Nick, we found utilities take safety and preventing power outages as a core business function. Certainly, there are financial incentives to do such, but frankly, it was just good practice we found. Culture of safety is evident with the internal mechanisms they had in place and further external safety authorities such as the ANSI Z133 and the OSHA and the OHS Canada were important parts of the safety that we saw today. As for public utility contacts or fires related to utility and vegetation contacts, the rate was low. It happens, but on average, about 0.5 public utility contacts occurred over the past three years per utility. So we normalize this on a per line mile basis, which makes the incident rate at approximately 1.1 for every 100,000 miles of lines. Fires similarly had a low rate with about 2.75 for every 100,000 miles of line. You know, ideally, zero is a target with some utilities achieving this mark we found in our study. Those are some amazing statistics. Back when I did these sort of studies, I ended up with findings that were actually quite an epiphany to me. For, for example, about 10 years ago, I remember asking utilities what percentage of trees were in contact with the lines at time of work. My epiphany back then was, according to the benchmarking, about 99.99% of trees never came in contact with lines here in California but outside the state, it was not uncommon to have 20 to 30% of all the trees in contact at any given time. 
we figured out that the reason that was the case was because California had mandatory clearance requirements with heavy potential fines. And that wasn't the case in other states or provinces at the time. I guess I have a two-part question for you, Richard. First of all, did you have any findings regarding trees in contact with the lines? And also, what other findings did you find interesting? Well, first, Steve, that's really interesting. Um, and yes, local, state, and federal regulations do have an important backstory to the results of our study. However, we were not able to include this level of investigation as it was, the level of work was too much for our current study. However, Randy Miller from CNUC and I are currently looking to include new ways to look at this data. In a study we're just developing, thus perhaps we need to take a look back at the work that you did with uh, line contacts. As for the second question, frankly, all findings were fascinating. And further, the diversity of ways to accomplish the safe and reliable transmission and distribution of electrical power was, was an interesting um, you know, opening level of understanding for me. I hate to beat this particular subject to death, Richard, but I got a follow-up question for you regarding trees in contact with lines at time of pruning. Seems to me that trees are in contact with the lines when they're being worked would necessarily be much more expensive to prune than if there was clearance at the time of work. What are your thoughts on that, Richard? Certainly, trees close to lines could be more costly to manage, especially to safely conduct pruning operations. You can look at past work and UVM and, frankly, other fields that preventive maintenance tends to be more cost-effective. My philosophy also has shifted based on our municipal forestry work and now the UVM work in that I use the term inspection cycle rather than pruning cycle. There is evidence that more frequent inspection cycles, such as annual, is a strategy to save money and greater prevent problems. This approach then has trees that pruning is needed rather than waiting for the returning to a site once every three to four years. I personally think this approach makes sense, much like an annual physical you or I do with a medical practitioner for health and ideally have a clean bell health. But if needed, have a medical procedure undertook sooner when the odds of success are typically higher. Yes, more frequent inspections may seem more expensive. However, from the limited data I have seen, suggest more frequent is better. Interesting. Um, yeah, I would like to follow up with your answer, Richard, but um, first let's take a break to hear a word from our sponsors. This episode is sponsored by Live EO. Live EO offers the market-leading satellite-based vegetation management solution which helps vegetation managers to improve network reliability and safety. The software automatically generates grid-wide vegetation overviews from up-to-date satellite imagery and provides insights about tree location, height, species, and vitality. The system calculates the vegetation risk for each span and helps in budgeting and prioritizing cutback activities. Visit live-eo.com UVM to find out more and to schedule a free demo, or simply send a message to info at live-eo.com. Welcome back. And Richard, following up on your last answer, it sounds to me like utility arborists should use the percentage of trees in contact with lines metric as an ongoing KPI or key performance uh, indicator. Um, and speaking of uh, KPIs, Richard, what are the drivers for UVM programs these days? You know, how are utilities measuring success? And do you think they are consistent in the way that they do that? Well, yes, Nick, I agree. KPIs are an important a part of managing trees, whether within utility right away or along streets or in parks. We found many cases of commonality among utilities, such as with safety. 
and using an incident as part to learn from, frankly. For example, nearly all utilities communicated a safety issue to others in the organization or even close calls, such as near misses, being reported. Now, using a safety metric such as DART, days away, restricted, or transferred, was only calculated, however, by about 57% of utilities. As for managing utility operations, nearly all, 97% to be exact, tracked work accomplished. This is an important way to then measure efficiency and effectiveness with operations such as trees pruned per mile, or maybe the area of vegetation treated, for example. Further, auditing through post-work inspections was common, again with most, 95% doing such. All of this and using KPIs is vital since budgets are a common challenge, with only 54% saying the budget has been stable over the past five years. Is a component of this uh, a regulated reporting requirement, Richard. Um, so if I recall correctly, the Department of Energy's Office of Electricity puts out you know, SADI and SAFI rankings for every utility in the country, which you know, I presume is a regulated uh, practice. This is correct, Nick, that both SADI, which is System Average Interruption Duration Index, and SAFI, which is System Average Interruption Frequency Index, are important and also commonly used by utilities. So, Frank, these two things get at the duration of outages and how frequently they occur. In fact, over 90% of utilities responded that these two measurements are very important with the mean index score ranking of 4.5. And this was on a 1 to 5 scale, with 5 being very important. Plus, it just makes sense since there's a financial incentive to avoid costs associated with the duration and frequency of power outages. Richard, I'm going to bring up a subject now, which I bet we could probably spend all day talking about. How are utilities scheduling their work? And do you think, based on what you've seen, it's an effective approach? I guess what I'm asking is, do you think cycle-based programs are a good or bad thing? And what might be a better approach? Yeah, this is a fascinating, important topic for me, Stephen. Yes, we could talk uh, an entire podcast and then some on this topic. Well, first, planning and monitoring is important. With pre-planning and post-work audits, very common with utilities. For example, 90 and 95% respectively, they said. Time-based cycles are also common, with nearly 90% saying they did such. By far most, around 80% approximately use a regular work cycle, which is a 4.5 years on average, which means once every 4.5 years, they're returning to the same site. Interesting, they said the desired work cycle was 3.8 years. Thus, the work needed currently outpaces the ability to reach the pruning target. Now, this does not mean things are unsafe, but more frequent work should reduce incidences such as public contacts or fires. Now, to your question on cycle-based, good or bad. It really depends on the plant growth rates and removing vegetation before contact occurs. As mentioned earlier, I'm an advocate for inspection cycles and doing such more frequently with targeting work on just those plants needed. This philosophy evolved from my municipal forestry work and really UVM and Muni have safety and reducing tree risk in common. Having said that, only 6% said they use just-in-time or reliability-based cycles for vegetation management. It seems to me you were suggesting, and I agree with this, that probably the best way to schedule work would be place more of an emphasis on inspections rather than just sending out tree crews routinely. Am I correct in you saying that? Yes, yeah, Steve, definitely. From the municipal forestry work I did, uh, I had 
cycle-based pruning that I was curious about in our study. And as I was getting results back, plus with other findings we had in that work, my mind just shifted to inspection cycle as a way to go. And, and frankly, you know, you could look at different climates in North America where a pruning cycle in California may be different than one on in a northern location, Canada. And, and so really thinking about how much time it takes between trees being needed to be pruned is fine, but species are also different. And so really getting that inspection cycle, you know, just from my work, it seems like it, it, it would seem more costly. They're out more frequently and yeah, more boots on the ground, but really dispatching workers to do the work correctly is I think what it's all about. I think you're absolutely spot on on that, Richard. And uh, I would kind of paraphrase that by saying it's better to identify what work actually needs to be done when it needs to be done. And I, uh, I guess my criticism of traditional cycle pruning is that we end up pruning a large amount of trees we wouldn't have to uh, for a year or two uh, in between inspections. So I, I agree with what you just said. Yeah, I agree with you on that. I think it, it may not be, I think it's better for the tree basically is you're identifying what needs to be pruned when, but I think also convincing higher level officials. Now I, I've never worked professionally in utility in UVM, but having worked in the municipal side, sometimes it's hard to convince a, you know, a common council or a city manager that, yeah, we need to prune trees on a five-year cycle. But if we said um, we're, we need staff to do inspections to identify the work that needs to be done, and then you actually identify work because you got concrete data this year for scheduling it for next year, or even maybe this year, I think, I think it's a lot easier to convince decision makers. Yeah, this does sound like a, a topic for a whole podcast episode. So I have one more question about the study before we move on to another topic. Did you uh, have any epiphanies? And if so, what were the main epiphanies that you had uh, or, or findings uh, you know, in your study that people might want to know about? Yes, we could talk all day. But to me, some important outcomes of the study is first. There is no one model program. A utility develops a program around what they think is best for their situation. Second, metrics for management are commonplace, with some required by law and others because it makes sense. Third, the level of risk is important with decision-making and things such as risk reduction for safety and reliability important with pruning. Tree species and branch defects are common with pruning, which is not surprising, but this suggests UVM workers have expertise to use these criteria. Professional standards such as the Z133 and the A300s have commonplace, which is interesting since they are voluntary for use, but they have become de facto parts of practice. Fourth, Economics with utility operations is important and cost efficiency rated as highest with IVM decision-making. My last thought to share is while many advanced assessment methods such as LIDAR, remote sensing, and drones are commonplace, ground evaluations far surpass these as an important assessment uh, method. Thus, people are important and many skill sets are really what defines the utility forester. And I think that's a very important point, Richard, that, you know, while LIDAR and the next generation of satellite-based remote sensing is rapidly advancing in capability, you know, I think uh, technology is and remains a tool in the arsenal for an arborist rather than a replacement. I actually recall some comments from Randy Miller that while IVM was a key consideration for vegetation managers, the number of managers citing biological controls as important was actually quite low. 
And I think uh, if I recall correctly, Randy's point was that we should uh, practice what we preach. Yeah, do you have any thoughts on that? Certainly. Biological controls are important in a wealth of work, for example, from the Pennsylvania studies that have been occurring over the past half century, plus other places for that matter. And they frankly have shown ways to incorporate natural systems, which is important. At the same time, it's, it's relatively tricky and requires advanced ecological understanding to make this happen. Richard, I think that was a great overview of your study, and hopefully we can talk more about these future studies in upcoming episodes. Uh, before I ask a few questions, though, about the uh, uh, University of wisconsin Stephen Point UVM program, is your report available online, and uh, how can people find out more about it? One easy way is just Google Power Utility Forestry. So the spelling of my name is H-A-U-E-R. And then Utility Forestry, or Google the report name, which was Utility Vegetation Management in North America. And the report on either ResearchGate or CNUC will be at the top of the search. Also, if you contact Randy Mueller at CNUC, and you're one of the next 50 people that do this, by the way, you might be able to get one of the limited paper copies that are left. I'll have to reach out to him. Thanks for that, Richard. Yeah, he also promised you, Steve, that if you reach out to him, uh, he'll even autograph it for you. Jeez. Uh, okay, I'll have to autograph something in return. Now let's chat a bit about the Stevens Point UVM program. I've actually had a few of my own employees either have completed the course or are currently attending the course. Uh, and the feedback I've gotten so far is this is one heck of an education for those folks who want to get ahead in the UVM industry. Uh, can you give us an overview of the program? How long does it take? And what types of topics do you cover in the program? Yeah, well, Steve, well, thank you. We've been fortunate to become involved with a really well-developed program first created by the Utility Vegetation Management Association from Canada. We have become partners with them along with the Utility Arborist Association. We have also worked hard to find great educators, to facilitate learning, and the first part of this whole program is the foundations of UVM certificate. Now, this covers areas such as North American electrical systems as a course, utility arboriculture as another, leadership as a third, program and project management, and then integrated vegetation management as the fifth course. Now, this leads to a second UVM professional certificate, which covers several management-focused areas. A third part is a capstone-like experience for program planning, which also sets a person up well to undertake an examination to become a certified utility vegetation management professional. If you're really curious about the program, you can just, again, Google UWSP Utility, and this will be at the top of your search, and you can find out more about the program. Now, you also asked about the amount of time. And it depends on the, the type, whether it's the first certificate or the, the second one or the capstone. But frankly, you can do this in a, a, a two-year time frame. It's really developed uh, to undertake uh, all these certifications. And how much does the program cost, Richard? I recall hearing that pg e is actually offering some scholarships for this. Is that correct? Yeah, well, on the second part, yeah, I'll get about the scholarships from pg and &E. And the program cost varies by course. For example, $600 for the initial five-week course exploring North American electrical systems. So you could think of this as really about $125 cost for a really developed program uh, every week. 
The first certificate, which includes five courses, which is 22 weeks of total class time, costs $2,700. The third course, which is a 30-week time period, which leads to the second certificate, costs around $3,150. Again, these are actually today's dollars. They could change in the future, but, but um, that's what we have right now. And yes, there is a scholarship program sponsored by PG&E in partnership with the UAA. If you're a resident of California or neighboring states, the tuition is 100% covered. Now, you are responsible for some costs, which is the foundational book expenses, but really that's a, a small cost relative to the entire scholarship that PG&E is offering. I think I need to jump in here and probably offer a quick testimonial about your program. One of your first graduates was an old employee of mine, and he is now a high-level manager at a very large utility and in charge of a very big UVM program. He told me your program at Stevens Point helped him in getting that job and also in preparing to do the work. Uh, I guess I'd encourage all of our listeners who hope one day to run a large program, they should look into this comprehensive educational program. Nick, I'm sure we'll be providing a link to the program in our show notes. With that, however, I'd like to turn it over to Nick for any last questions. Uh, Richard, thanks so much for being with us today. And Hopefully, you'll come back and give us updates on the important work you're doing for our industry. Thanks, Steve. And yeah, one more question from me, uh, Richard. So you've been um, heavily involved in the industry for a long time now. What advice would you give to people that are just starting out? Well, great question, Nick. My first response, become professionally active. Now, this may find yourself being a little intimidated early career, but really finding ways to serve your profession as a professional, this was the advice I was given as an early career professional. And I can safely say I have professionally benefited more than the hours I ever invested. And really a person from the care of trees, Larry Hall, years ago told me this as, as I was a student. And Larry said the same advice, get professionally active and all the hours I invested, it was many fold returned back to me. And frankly, also, finally, never stop learning, which is really critical for career advancement, but also to adopt and to change as needed with the UVM. Well, thanks, Richard. On behalf of Steve and I, we really appreciate having you on as a guest today. And to our listeners, thanks again for listening. If you haven't read the report, I'd thoroughly recommend it. And you'll find the link in the show notes, along with a link to the course. For those in the audience, we'd love to get your feedback. Uh, we would also welcome any input that you might have on future guests or topics that you'd like us to cover. Please feel free to send us an email to podcast.utilityvegetationmanagement.com and we'll make it happen. If you're enjoying listening to the show and like to help us to continue to grow it further, uh, please consider subscribing to the podcast, uh, rating it or sharing it with friends via your favorite podcast store. Looking forward to the day when we have some swag, uh, like a mug with Steve's face on it. That's a mug on a mug. <laughs> so that's it for today's episode. See you on the next one. Bye.